time coming brother it's been a couple of weeks bef- since our pods uh welcome to episode 49 of the nuts starring pet shop betty and my co-host i am the shoot dog happy new year pet shop happy new year i thought you were gonna get going with your with your music oh you mean this <laughs> the old right on sprinkler doesn't get old right on time with your queued up music my brother it's been a while we've we uh we were on before christmas and then christmas week was weird because it's always weird um but also you and i were battling some sicknesses and craziness of schedules and you know so we decided to just instead of trying to cram one in where we were unprepared we just sort of delayed it until this year uh, until this week but uh how have you been how was your holiday and new year and all that stuff yeah thank you hey it is the it's the most wonderful time of the year and the busiest time of year and most expensive part of the year um it was wonderful uh christmas eve we hosted D's family, so you know, I I had the most domesticated Christmas Eve dinner that I think I've ever had. But it was a great time. We still have leftovers in the fridge. Uh, wow. Lovely gift exchange, very nice. And then uh, for Christmas, I hosted a happy hour here for a bunch of people at the bar that I kind of figured, you know, might not have a place to go or might like. How did that go? I remember you talking about it. It was cool. It was a couple hours and people brought food and stuff. So, you know, there was, uh, I think the Kansas City Oakland game was on that at that time when they were over. Um, And then I was in my pajamas for like a day and a half. And I don't know, through all that, I caught a bug and um, had to spend a couple days recouping. And then uh, New Year's Eve, I worked. It was wild and crazy, but uh, people behaved themselves. Made a lot of money, all good. So that's that's my holiday season in a nutshell. What about Sweet. you, man? Well, ah, uh, thanks. Um, yeah, you know, I told you my uh, plan, and and we 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 put it into action. We had kielbasa on oh, yeah. uh, on Christmas Eve, and so that's always bomb. Um, we slumbered in and and had a movie night on late Christmas Eve. My kids are a bit older now. So um, we just kind of settled in and watched a couple of Christmas movies before heading to bed. Um, and then Christmas night was my old lady, my mom's house. Uh, sorry, Ma, I didn't mean to call you my old lady. <laughs> you know, depending on what time frame and, and your and your context, old lady can mean mom or girlfriend, right? Wife or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, uh, over her house, my word, the prime rib. Ooh. It was like, it it was like it was made out of butter, and uh, lobster, and our Christmas exchange, which went off without a hitch. A lot of lot of fun times, but uh, let's not dwell too much on our boring lives, Shoop, as we're here to entertain the peeps. Yes, it's episode forty nine. I wanted to just throw out 
what we're going to be discussing in this top in this uh, what topics we're going to be discussing in this episode. I want to focus on gambling today, and we'll get into it obviously a little bit later. But I really want to focus on some worst bets, uh, some worst bets updates, and talk about you know looking at some stuff for this weekend, also this week. Um, obviously, the NFL playoffs are almost completely shaped up. We got there's a couple of teams yet to be uh, announced, and a couple of seeds that still need to be worked out. But we'll have to discuss that. My Eagles, we need to talk about Choop. They're leaking major oil. Yeah. We need to talk about your fantasy football double dip, my brother. And uh, and actually, we already talked about our little holiday recaps. Maybe we'll dip that back in. But here it is, 49 in the house. We always start out with T-Dish and 49 in sports. You got any 49s? Yeah, I got a really fun uh, 49. Uh, Tim Wakefield, famous knuckler for the Boston Red Sox. Now, he's in the Boston Red Sox Hall of Fame, not the Baseball Hall of Fame. He was only a two-time okay. He was only a two-time All-Star uh, hmm. and a two-time World Series champ. He pitched for the uh, Red Sox and the Pirates from 92 to 2011 so we're talking a 20-year career as a knuckler and you know when you think knucklers i think tim wakefield's the first one that comes to your mind if not second or third he's on the short list yeah yeah we've talked about knuckleballs on this podcast before we both love them we love the pitchers we love watching them i think the problem with knucklers is you really need to have it dancing to be effective. I mean, the ball's coming in at 48 to 60 miles an hour. And if it's not dancing around, then pro hitters are going to hop all over you and they're going to punish it. Right. So, and it's just like anything else, you know, it's, it has to be completely dialed in and, and tweaked um, to, to work. And so I think, I think of Wakefield, I think of Charlie Huff, I think of um, Dickey, Oh, yeah. And, you know, and I think they I think while we love it, because when they have it going, it's almost unhittable and it looks cool. It's almost like not even baseball. Um, You know, it's just hard for them to sustain that dancing. And so uh, awesome pitch, awesome pitcher. And yeah, he I mean, obviously, he sustained it for 20 years, to your point. But my, I was just referring to why. He wasn't more of an all-star because I think, you know, if you don't have it dialed in, you get bounced around a bit. Yeah, it's 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 kind of funny that the, um, you know, the, the the pitcher, you know, you've got like submariners, right? Once in a while, you'll see a guy throw yeah. him from underneath. Uh, you know, knuckleballers. Some guys, you know, just work out of the stretch. You know, it's that the. the Pitcher position can be pretty quirky, you know? Yeah, guys like Maddox, who's not going to ever overpower you, but will just paint the, the you know, the corners, the blacks, and, and just nibble you all day long. So, yeah, it's awesome. It's what it's what it's part of what makes baseball so intriguing and wonderful. <clears throat> do you have a 49 or do you want me to give you another one? I got a couple. They're just – they're not real strong – um, I, so for people who are just starting to listen, I focus on the Philadelphia shoop takes the rest of the league. 
Um, so 49 in Philly sports, certainly Tommy Green needs to be mentioned. Philadelphia Philly, who pitched a no-hitter. I want to say it was one walk away from a perfect game um, in the early 90s, maybe 90, 91. I didn't look that up. Actually, I did some of this prep for this episode last okay. week. Um, so it's a little not fresh in my mind, but um, more to come with T-Dish when, when we talk about that. Also, uh, Boston Scott uh, wore 49. He's certainly not wearing it now, but he wore it at least uh, one season for the Eagles. Really? And Alex Singleton. Yeah. I'm going to look that. I'm going to verify that again. But um, Alex Singleton also um, – a linebacker who is crushing it now. Um, we sort of underappreciated him, I thought, in Philadelphia and certainly could use him back, but um, he wore 49 for the Eagles too. Did you have any more? I uh, got another pitcher, Chris Sale. Okay. Now, he's going into his 14th season in the majors. Um, he's got a little bit more of a decorated – uh, awards resume as opposed to Wakefield. Okay. Uh, he is a <clears throat> two-time World Series champ, a seven-time All-Star, and a two-time American League strikeout leader. I mean, that's that's worthy. Yeah, and I, no I he played for, you know, interesting, both the Sox, the White Sox, and the Red Sox, mm -hmm. and I believe he just recently got traded to the Braves, if I'm not mistaken. <laughs> um, but Chris, Chris Sale is, a, is another guy that um, real long, almost almost a Randy Johnson comp, not quite as tall, but real long, big stride, lefty, you know, the mound's 60, 60 feet, 6 inches, but yet when it's coming out of his hand, you're, you're looking like, you know, 48, <laughs> and... You know, <laughs> not 48, but pretty close. Yeah. 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 Maybe not 48. That'd be a hell of a ride. Yeah. But, you know. <laughs> uh, uh, Boston Scott wore 49 for the Eagles in 2018. Go ahead. <laughs> oh, I was just correcting myself. Well, how about 54 feet at release? But yeah, either way, it. he's he's humming it in there. Good. And when he's on, he's unhittable pretty much. I mean, the one thing yep. he's, he's had some uh, injuries in his career, but. You know, that's kind of normal for a lot of power pitchers. Well, if he if he did sign with the Braves, then look for him to have a big season against the Phillies. Okay. Because that's the yeah. way it goes. Yeah, so look forward to that. And then, yeah. You got any other 49s? Okay, I'm done too. I have no Sixers, no Flyers of note. Um, so that's our 49 in sports this week. How about T-Dish now? Uh, like I alluded to earlier, I, I did some prep for T-Dish last week. So I'm going to, just because it doesn't matter, I'm going to sort of morph some of our T-Dishes from last week and this week. I looked up today, too. Uh, but I'll differentiate. Did you want to get us going or should yeah, I? Yeah, I got one. 1986, Rams running back Eric Dickerson, who I often overlook in the all-time leader list. Yes. So listen to this. Um in an NFC Divisional playoff game against the Dallas Cowgirls, 
Yes. The Rams win 20 to nothing, and Dickerson has 248 yards and two TDs. That's, that's legendary, it. man. Um, I was looking at – I saw that, Shoop, and I'm looking it up right now as we talk. I wanted to see if it's still a if it's still a um, a wrecker. And actually, I'm getting a little bit. How many yards did you say he had? Uh, he had 248 yards. Okay, yeah, and then you're right. I'm sorry, I, I I my mind went off there for a second. That's still a playoff single game record. 1986 against the Cowgirls. I love that. Um, there has been somebody that came close. A guy who's still in the league in 2020 rushed for 220 for the Niners against Green Bay. Do you have that off the top of your head? He's now on the Dolphins. Jeff Wilson Jr. Raheem nope. Mostert. You yeah. got it. He's number two all time in single game playoff rushing yards. He's a hell of a back, you know. Yeah. And um, what is it? McDaniel's is that the name of the uh, coach of the Miami Dolphins? Yeah, Mike. Mike Mc- yeah. Well, he was a San Francisco guy. He, he was on that right. staff at that time. So, yeah, he he brought him Mostert over. and Wilson went to to Miami with him. There might be some other guys as well, but uh, you know, clearly he liked what he saw in Mostert. And yep, I think Mostert was so Purdue. A- I I looked it up one day. I'm like, where the hell did he come from? You know, and he's been in the league. I can. I think he's been in the league close to ten years. So. Uh, I'm looking on that right now. So he went to Purdue, very good. And he was drafted in 2015. So close. Yeah, I would have never guessed either of those had I not done some research because I'm just like, God damn, most are 20 TDs. Where did this guy come from? But he's had a pretty good career. Yeah. yeah. Great tea dish. You got one else or should I start? No, I have one more and then I'll hand it over. Uh, I love this one. In 1992, Boston Celtics, the chief, Robert Parrish, becomes the fifth player in NBA history to register 2,000 career blocks. It's pretty amazing. Yeah, he was one of those guys that was like the true center, you know, in the, in the night. It was, yeah. you know, the chief, um, obviously Pat Ewing, um, the Dutchman, Rick Smits, David Robinson. Uh, you know, this is so funny that you're bringing up centers because I I didn't mention this in my topics that I wanted, but I was talking to Stat Boy earlier this week and told him, should I talk about this this week or should I leave it? But since you brought up centers, I got to ask you, yeah. I, I know you're not, I know you don't have your finger completely on the pulse of the NBA, but where does Joe Embiid rank all time amongst centers? For you. Now, I know it's a little unfair because I watch every game. I watch every minute he plays. I know you don't, but you're tuned in. You you watch, you know, highlights. You, you keep an eye on everything. Where does a guy like you who doesn't watch him rank JoJo amongst all-time centers? Just centers. It's tough for me to call him a center. I think just because of the style. I mean, when I'm thinking center, I'm thinking of a guy that's just down on the block. Um you know what I mean? That's a fair point, but he definitely plays the five. And in today's NBA, sometimes your five is not all the way posted up. I agree. 
but he's, I mean, it's clearly a five. And so anyway, that's a great point. I guess. I mean, yeah. How many three pointers did Robert Parrish attempt? Right. Zero probably. So go ahead. I mean, I don't know. It would be tough for me to, I mean, all maybe, maybe, maybe I should switch the question to where does Jojo rank amongst big men in the NBA now, or you're saying overall. Both. I, 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 I guess I'm not being fair to you, but I, I think he's up there. I, I don't think. I I think we're absolutely underappreciating the, this man, what he's doing. The numbers are there, but when you watch him, it's even more uh, impressive. His footwork, his touch, his defense. Um, now. If there's a knock on him, it's, you know, his heart's not always in it, especially if the team's not doing well. And this is years past, so it's not fair to criticize him this year for this. But um, he, I mean, he's just unbelievable, Aaron. He Nobody yeah. can stop him in the league. And it's becoming more and more apparent as he plays. And I just think he's up – I think he, amongst big men – I'm not sure there's a guy that's head and shoulders above him. I mean, I think of best big man in the league. I think of Shaq. I think of David Robinson. I think of Hakeem Olajuwon. Joe's there with those guys, if not already past them for my money. Anyway, I, it was kind of a, just a tangential topic because I know he didn't set well, it up. You know, I, I'm willing to say he's a, a top four seven-footer in the NBA now without question. Overall, I wasn't prepared to comp him to a lot of the, you know, the great. Top four? Can you give me three big men who are better than Joe? No, I'm not saying he's number four. I'm saying he's in the Okay. Okay, okay. Um, you know, so I guess I just quickly off that list, I would probably go, um, you know, let's, I'll, I'll say, I'll give you Embiid one, um, uh, Giannis two, Carl Anthony Towns three, and Ooh. um, um, I got Cat over Joker, huh? Uh, oh God, yeah, Joker four. I no. forget Joker, <laughs> but Joker's a point guard. You know, it's a weird deal. It's it's a yeah. He's a big man who doesn't really play the five either. We know that he's the heart and soul of the Philadelphia 76ers, and he's got great game. He seems to be happy there, and he plays his ass off. He looks like he's invested anytime I watch him play. We need to get him a championship, to say the least. Um, let's stay on point. 1958 T-Dish. I have what's called the greatest game ever played. It's got, it's got a quotation um, moniker on this game, and it's um, it was, geez, I don't even think I wrote it down exactly. And because I looked this up last week, I forget exactly who it was. But um, the reason I brought it up is because there was a major delay for a fan running on the field, and this was 1958. And I thought it was interesting because it might have been the origin of a fan running on the field. I think it's the first documented case of somebody running onto the playing pitch and disrupting the game. Now he wasn't uh, naked, but maybe the origin of streaking in sports. And I just thought, wow, that's cool. I can look it up quick uh, while you comment on that in terms of who it was. I'm pretty sure it was the giants. Um, 
the New York football giants and uh, let me see. I'm just this ambiguation. Yeah, here it is. I was okay. So it was the Baltimore Colts and the New York giants and it was a championship game and it was overtime. And I think it was the first overtime game. And one team got out to a big lead, 14 to three at halftime. Baltimore did. And then the giants stormed back late and tied it in, in regulation. And then the Colts, uh, won it in overtime and it's just kind of called the best the greatest game ever called but it was uh, it was televised and then it was delayed because of the fan running on the field so i thought it was fun to talk about but we can move on uh that had that again that was last today's day or today's day of the week last week tea dish and then i have another one 1975 the birth of the Hal mary you and i always think about doug flutie uh, but actually, in 1975, Roger Stallback of the Cowgirls threw to, I think it's Drew, not Drew, can't be Drew Pearson, uh, somebody Pearson in a playoff I think um, it, game late. In, and, I think it ahead. is Drew Pearson. I think that's Drew Pearson. Okay. I wasn't sure if he was a little bit later in football or not. But um, that was like the first NFL documented late minute literally send everybody down to the end zone chuck it up and somebody actually came down with it so birth of the hail mary i love that you know the hail mary did you see or do you recall the game between uh the chicago bears and the cleveland browns maybe two or three weeks ago chicago lost i think 20 to 17 but just justin fields throws a beautiful hail mary i mean we're talking 50 yards in the air it goes straight up. It goes straight down. The defenders jump up in a scrum, try to bat it down. Darnell Mooney's like on the ground. The ball ends up in his lap, and he can't come. It. Right. It's actually intercepted. But um, you know, I think there's, I think there's like some strategy that can be played with that. Like not so much just a clean catch, but if you can somehow like have a trailer yeah. and play for the bat down. Yeah, because that's what defenses are taught to do, right, is knock it down. So if you got somebody that's just a, two or three yards away from the main scrum and they're looking for a batted ball, that could be certainly a strat. Yeah, and, or or like, you know, how they let so many people go deep and you got, you know, eight or nine guys in the end zone, but if you could just leak one guy back to like the 15 <laughs> and just put it on him and see if he can mad dash to the – to the goalposts or, right. or to the to the to the pylon? I don't know. I to the pylon. I I think about that kind of stuff. I'm like, man, I love the hail mary. How can we? How can we? You know, make it cooler. I, <laughs> the hook and ladder, bro. The hook and ladder. You can't defend. Well, there was a great one earlier this season, right when Mahomes threw it to Kelsey and he lateral to MVS, and then it got called back on that penalty. Uh, when I was down at the bar uh, interviewing Eagles fans and stuff for the Seahawks game, uh, it was that was the weekend after the the game I'm talking about with with Mahomes, and there was a guy at the bar and he said, "Hey, I looked up your last show and it's called Patty Mahomes Can Eat a Dick, and I'm hooked on your show now." <laughs> so, anyway. hey. all right, uh, a couple more from Oh, did you have something? MBS. Else? Speaking of MBS, did you see his most recent? Another drop. It's so bad, dude. Ugh. It's so bad. It's like you see his hands, you see the ball, and they just are not connecting. Mahomes, yeah, it's, gonna, it's pretty I'm sad. I'm surprised he's still on the roster. I'm. I mean, 
Right. You would think Patty Mahomes would have that kind of, uh, I, that's it. I can't do it. I can't put it any easier on a guy's fucking hands. A uh, couple of quick ones still from last week. 2008 Detroit Lions come the first team to ever go 0-16. I thought that was noteworthy. Also, Raymond Bork was born a week ago. T-Dish. Oh, Christ, I didn't put the number down. I don't even know. Yeah. Really? Okay, so it's a hockey guy. Ray Bork was a huge hockey defenseman for the Bruins in the mid to late 80s and all through the 90s. And uh, just an amazing hockey uh, not only defensively, but he was—he had an offensive mind to him too. He was certainly one of the best during his era, if not one of the best all time. And I mean, certainly top top ten or twelve defensemen of all time. And he went to Colorado late in his career solely for a shot to win a cup. He had played eighteen seasons, was hardly sniffed any play. You know, I mean, played made the playoffs, but hardly sniffed Lord Stanley's, uh, you know, rim. And uh, finally, literally went to Colorado late in, late in his career for a chance to win a cup and delivered. And the Colorado won the cup in 97, and he finally got his big. Anyway. That's- um, so, so he was born last week, T-Dish. And then John Madden last week was last Thursday or whenever we were preparing. That was the day he died in 2021. Mm-hmm. And then and and then I've done some for this today, literally today, T Dish. Have you heard of the Dave's Dave Forbes and Henry Boucher incident in hockey? It was and I asked because it was a Boston Bruin and a Minnesota North Star. It was the first incident shoot where there was something that happened on the ice that went to criminal court. Um so there was a scrum earlier and a fight and Boucher from the stars, um, Cole Cox, Dave Forbes, but still within the realm of hockey. Like uh, Forbes hit him high with an elbow, and and Boucher kind of gets out of it, and then just Cole Cox him, drops Forbes. They both serve time in the penalty box, like seven minutes. As soon as they come out of the penalty box, shoot, Dave Forbes from the Bruins goes up to Boucher and uses the butt end of his stick. And, and this is before uh, helmets. He hits him right in the eyeball or eye socket, blood squirting everywhere, huge, even bigger melee now after the first one. Forbes gets kicked out of the game. They take Boucher off on a stretcher. Well, apparently he, he filed charges against Dave Forbes in court. And while in criminal court, I think the case ended up being a hung jury. Uh, Boucher won money in a civil case soon after that. So it was the first time, oh. and it's happened since. I know there was, uh, I want to say, a Vancouver Canuck two-handed somebody across the cheek, and th- and that went to criminal court. So it's happened, and this was the first incident. I just thought it was interesting. Yeah, I mean, I could certainly understand how that would be the case. I mean, anytime you use a stick on somebody, that's kind of – yeah. Yeah, it was it was pretty gnarly, and he was bleeding like Miles crazy. Miles Garrett when he was swinging the fucking helmet at Mason Rudolph, you know that shit would have probably yeah. been worse. Yeah, I mean, right? If he connected with that helmet on his face, um, yeah, there's been certainly incidents on the field that can 
sadly and unfortunately bleed over into criminal court cases. All right, and then I got one last tea dish for today, and I thought this was really interesting. Today was the day in 2000 when Bill Belichick reneged on the New York Jets and said, "Ah, psych, I'm not taking your job. I'm going to go and coach the New England Patriots, and boy, the rest is history, so they say, right? Imagine if he didn't make that decision. I mean, you never know, right? Things, so so many so many what ifs, you know. So he he, he right. makes the choice to go to wing to New England. They get Brady. Bledsoe gets hurt. He decides to start Brady, and then bam, they're both Hall of Famers. Exactly. So I thought that was so cool because he literally said, "I'll accept the Jets' uh, job," and they were going to announce him the very next day. But before the announcement came, he went back and said, psych, I'm not taking your job. And he and he took the Patriots. So, I mean, yeah, you're right. So much changes. If he's a coach of the Jets, who knows if if the Jets still if if he still identifies Brady and, and selects Brady uh, to, to go to the Jets, who knows the kind of players, if he even gets to the opportunity and or i mean you know it's just it's just crazy it's that butterfly effect that a butterfly effect that i think we've talked about in the past where you know one little thing changes in history and who knows how it goes on so quite a day in new england kind of like that i'm watching this um i i've been watching just random 30 for 30s if i haven't seen them and there's one that i can't wait to finish it's called the amazing heisman race of 1997 Okay, and uh, it features Peyton Manning as one of the horses that was in the in the race. But anyway, the year prior, okay. Peyton Manning's junior year, nineteen ninety six, he was expected to leave for the NFL and projected to be the number one pick of the New York Jets, and instead mm. he returned to Tennessee for his final year. and And Bill Parcells was coaching the Jets, so it's like there's another. Like, what if that would have happened types? Yeah. And then they did well with Parcell, so they didn't get the number one pick, and Indy took yes, them, right? exactly. The next. Yeah. Crazy. Fun stuff. All right, well, that's T-Dish. You got any no. more? No, I don't. All right, sweet. Well, let's move on. That was Shuffle in the Deck. Let's move on to our whole cards. Really, I have down uh, kind of a hodgepodge here. Let's start start talking about the NFL playoffs, uh, Michael Penix. But I wanted to start with you double dipping in fantasy football. Tell the peeps how does it feel to be a double champ, bro? Uh, it feels amazing because here's <laughs> I, I'm pretty sure both teams started auto draft. <laughs> and then I, and then I you know you know I wheeled and dealed throughout the season and I and I. You're pretty sure? It's interesting because it's my first year of both, and they're your league, so I feel like you're kind of like, fuck you, man. Like, that's some bullshit. You had to send me 700 bucks, baby. Well, certainly. Well, it wasn't my 700 bucks. Um, All right, so, yeah, let's let's go back a little bit. Nobody cares about anybody else's fantasy football team but their own, but this is a worthy enough story, okay? So, Shoop's not in our fantasy league. I have a fantasy league that's 20-some years long. There are two tiers for it. Um, One's called Eagles Nest, one's called Baby Birds. 
anybody who comes into the league new has to go in the baby birds. If there's ever a spot available, it's only in the baby birds. You're never just starting the fan into the into top league Eagles nest. And then what happens is the bottom four teams of the Eagles nest every year get relegated to the baby birds and the top four teams of the baby birds get promoted to the Eagles nest. So Shoop was in baby birds this year for his first time. I don't, are, are you a, are you, are you even an experienced fantasy footballer? Uh, yeah, I've been playing Dabble. football since 2009. So, uh, okay. But every year, hardcore, at least one league, maybe yeah. multiple. Yeah. Okay. So he's a fantasy football guy and he comes in our league and, you know, auto drafts and somehow puts together quite a roster and wins the, wins the whole damn thing. And that's great. Now he not only he won a bunch of money for the league, but he's one of the top four that will be promoted into the Eagles nest next year, in which case he will have a chance to win the Don for a year anyway and get his name on the trophy. We have this big trophy. It's got a 100 um, different spots for it. It's only 24 or five years in now, so it's going to be lasting for 75 more years if people continue to play fantasy football long after I'm gone. Um, so, Shoop, congratulations on winning the Baby Birds promotion to the Eagles Nest. But not only that, Shoop, I throw together last minute, like literally Tuesday of the um, NFL Week 1, which was playing on Thursday night, I throw together a elimination league called, uh, it's a guillotine league called the Chopping Block. And... Everybody drafts as regular. You draft the normal team. Shoop, once again, wasn't available for yeah. the draft, so he auto-drafts. And um, everybody has a team. You put your guys in just like fantasy football. But literally in week one, whoever the lowest team is, uh, points-wise, after week one, gets chopped. And all their players go into the free agent pool, waiver wire pool, and then week two, the lowest team gets chopped and so on and so on and so on. So week one, actually, uh, the person who got chopped was uh, none other than Jassy G, right? Uh, Jassy G. Uh, Jassy Mack. And uh, because she didn't even put her starters in. So she was out and shoot dog. You, you just continued and you almost got shot one week. You got, you, you were tied. Yeah. And we had a tiebreaker scenario where both of the guys got to play the following week and whoever. Anyway, he survived, and then he just crushed it the last couple of weeks. So congrats on winning yeah. Baby Birds, promotion to Eagle's <laughs> Nest, and also chopping block shoot dog. Well yeah, done. It was, a, it was, it was like nail-biting all day watching. And I'll, I won both by a combined four points. I think I won both by two points. And the, the chopping block... Uh, I think it's Walker. Do you know who that is? Yeah, yeah, John Walker. He's um, he listens to the pod. He's uh, a buddy of of Jonesy, who's been on the pod, and a buddy of mine. Now we've played poker a few times. He's come over, watched some games, and had some cheese steaks. And he's a good. Well, dude. John got a bad beat in against me. He was up. He was yeah. up hundred eleven to eighty, and he had Kelsey, and I had Pacheco and um, Mahomes. And I won, like, 114 to 112. Kelsey got him one point. Pacheco yes. went crazy. So, I feel bad for Walker. Yeah. And, uh, and well, well, nevertheless, I the dough, yeah. I'm the winner. 
<laughs> well, congratulations. We'll move on from fantasy football since nobody cares about their anything but their own team. Dude, NFL playoffs, I have no idea. There's so many fucking possibilities this Sunday. It's almost like the playoffs start this Sunday. Okay, yeah, and they're fair. And actually, Saturday, because there's a game on Saturday. I think, it, yeah, Texans-Colts, It's essentially, it's a win and you're in. So that's essentially a playoff game. So, I don't know, maybe we won't focus so much this week, but we'll really focus on it next week. But just give me a couple of things on your mind for what you're looking for this weekend. Well, let's just look real quick. Okay, in the A. I mean, so obviously, yeah, right. The Ravens, the Ravens are the number one seed. They got to buy, so they're not even going to play anybody. They play on Saturday as well against your Steelers. They're not going to play anybody. They're going to rest guys. And the number one seed in the NFC is got, was seemingly was the Eagles all year long, and uh, they shit the bed. And now it's the Niners get to buy. So uh, pretty much anything can happen in any of the, both leagues, uh, two through seven. Still, I don't think anybody else has solidified a, a, a spot. Uh, maybe two seed in the AFC. I'm not sure, but. Um, yeah, craziness. Uh, a lot of teams have made it. It's just really jostling for positions still, like the Cowboys and the Eagles and the Lions. Um, and I think the Rams clinched too, but maybe the Seahawks can still make it with a win. There's all kinds of shit yeah, going there's, on. I mean, I tried to I tried to read a, a web page of uh, the scenarios and the and ifs or the whatevers. But yeah. So basically in the AFC, I'm just going to say that the um, – AFC South is still up for grabs. Jacksonville is nine and seven. Indy's nine and seven, and Houston's nine and seven. So right. Whoever wins that division obviously will 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 uh, will advance. And I don't know. I don't think I don't think either. If any if any of those lose, they're out. I don't I don't think they're going to get in if they lose. And then Pittsburgh has an outside shot like you said they're playing baltimore they're gonna rest guys so they should by all means win that game and be 10 well they're favored um and then over in the nfc like you said seattle's still alive the saints are still alive the vikings are still alive everything else is settled um and then the nfc south is is unsettled so you're gonna probably have a um a nine and eight or an eight and nine conference champ out of that NFC South. Um, but yeah, wow, wow. A lot of uh, playoffs. And Buffalo, dude, Buffalo, if Buffalo loses to Miami, they're not going to make the playoffs. They can either win the division or not make the playoffs. That's crazy. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, I saw that too. And it's exactly what the NFL wants, right? It's what the NFL uh, having tons of markets. Um, still involved this late in the season, playing meaningful football. It's exactly what they want. And as we saw with my beloved Eagles, every week it's damn near a 50-50 coin toss of who's going to win the game. And you got to go out and execute. I don't care what your players are, what your coaches are, what your record is. You got to go out and execute your plays and, you know, play as a team. And obviously it didn't happen for the Eagles. Um, yeah, the Eagles can be a two or a three. Or five still. So the two is probably the least case scenario. They would have to win and both the Cowboys and Lions would have to lose. Um, and the Cowboys are playing the foreskins. And I think the Lions are playing your Vikings, if I'm not mistaken. It's obviously somebody in their division. They're all divisional games this week. I love that part of it. Um, 
Let's talk about the Eagles real yeah. quick, Shoop. Probably the low point of the season against the Cardinals on Sunday. Um, I'm trying not to say it's the low point of an Eagles loss. A lot. There's been a lot of speculation on Philly media that this is the worst Eagles loss ever. I'm not there. I think people get caught up in recency bias. Um, I was telling my son, even when we were up 21 to 6, Shoop, I was sitting there with Stat Boy watching the game. And I said, you know what's weird, though, Ned? The Eagles still don't need to win this game. And while that's pathetic for a bunch of professionals to go out and not give their all, I think it's more of a human nature thing. And so I'm actually taking solace in that, you know, even this weekend, the Eagles do not need to win this game against the Giants. It would be great to win and have the other two teams lose and get a two seed and have a couple of home games. Great. But they don't need to win. And when the records are zero and zero and it's the postseason, now you need to win. And I know a lot of people say, well, it's not easy to just flip a switch like that. Yeah, I get it. But these are professionals who are also human beings. And they were 10 and one a few weeks, of, uh, six weeks ago, five weeks ago. And I think the pressure and that edge of going out and competing week in, week out, I think left the Eagles. And I'm not saying it's okay. And I'm not saying that somebody shouldn't pay for it. I'm not necessarily calling for somebody's head, but somebody needs to be held accountable for these guys not having that edge. You have to, I feel like you should play like you have to win each and every game in the NFL. There's only 18 of them every year plus playoffs. You should go out and play like you can't lose. But I don't think the Eagles have been playing like that. And I hope they can flip the switch. And who knows? Well, I'll be, you know, crying myself to sleep if they not only lose this week, but the first week to play. It looks like they're going to be on the road. The most likely scenario the Eagles are going to be is a five seed on the road against whoever wins the NFC South. It still could be the Falcons, which is un unlikely. And it's probably going to be Tampa and it could be New Orleans. So, holy shit, Shoop. 10 and 1. Everything's flying high. MVP talk about uh, Jalen Hurts. Uh, home games, you know, playoffs go through Philadelphia. Five games later, four losses later, what has happened to my boys? I mean, you said something before the season. You're like, they're either going to be amazing and win the Super Bowl or like something disastrous is going to happen. And I did not see it. Yes. And then here we are. They've lost four out of five. And the only win they have in that stretch is, a you know, not such an easy win against the Giants. Um, <clears throat> they, lose to the, they lose to the 49ers. They get shellacked. Yes. They, they get shellacked in Dallas. Now – I feel like they, I would say, you know, 60, 65% of that was beating themselves with bad turnovers and stuff. But, okay, yes, we got beat in Dallas. Um, but you rewind it a little bit, and they came off a heater where they beat, you know, Miami, Dallas, Kansas City, Buffalo. So, at first, I wanted to look at those losses and say, well, that's back-to-back -back playoff caliber teams. Any team could have, you know, come up with back-to-back -back L's. But then you just look at, okay, then they shit the bed, only put up 17 against Seattle, 23-25 uh, to 25 win against New York. Uh, Could have been different, yep. 
And then to give up 35 at home against the Cardinals, who have, like, three wins. I don't know, man. I heard something weird happen with your defense, like Patricia's calling defense now from the field. or What's going on with that? Because clearly they're trying to identify that the defense is at fault here. Yeah, it was 29 points against the Cardinals in the second half, which was just egregiously horrible. Um, four touchdowns and a two-point conversion. Um, so after the Dallas game, Shoop, people were obviously – Philadelphia is an insane market, sports media market to play for. You're criticized when you win, let's be honest. They're just filleted when you lose. And so when they got spanked against the Niners and lost against Dallas – and the defense, let's be honest, did not look good. Somebody needed to take the fall for it. That's just how it works in Philly. And I'm not nobody sure if this came from Jeffrey Lurie and or Howie Roseman, or if it was completely uh, Nick Sirianni's move, or if it was the coordinators themselves who said something. But head uh, defensive coordinator Sean Desai at the time got demoted, not fired, but demoted. And he went from the field back up to the box. And all of a sudden now Matt Patricia, who wasn't really named defensive coordinator, but what he was named is that he's going to now be calling the plays. Of course, they go to Seattle on Monday night, the game which I was there with Stat Boy. Actually played pretty well defensively for most of the game, except giving up a 92-yard touchdown scoring drive late in the game to lose the game. And so that's just deflating as shit. So now everybody's got egg on their face because it's like, oh, we're going to make Matt Patricia play, uh, call the plays and everything will be fine. And then they get shit on by the Seahawks. And then <laughs> you're right. They barely hold on against the Giants. But again, the defense has given up late drives, long drives late. And you left. No, you're back. Um, and then, of course, last week, 29 points. To, so who knows what's going on, Shoop? It's not good. They better get it right. We'll see. If the Eagles don't win in... Okay, I don't count this game coming up as a game. Who cares what happens against the Giants? If the Eagles don't win a game in the playoffs, it will probably be one of the top three, if not the top collapses in team history. Yeah, no question about it. I mean, from 10-1 and one to, to that and... I can't yeah. think. Are there any significant injuries that have happened on either side of the ball? Yeah. The, to be fair, they're they're decimated. But but in Philadelphia, we don't necessarily look to that as a, we say. Well, why aren't you prepared for that? Chip Kelly, definitely one hundred. The only thing one hundred percent guaranteed in the NFL are injuries. So, and and we knew that before Chip came along, right? So. The fact that you can't just – every team in the league has injuries. You're telling me that the Niners didn't have any injuries? They're still peaking and playing really good football. Same with the Cowboys. Same with the Ravens. Everybody gets hurt. So, yes, they did have injuries. Uh, Maddox has been out. Uh, obviously, I think it. N'Kobe Dean being out is a huge loss. But you know what? When N'Kobe Dean's been playing, N'Kobe Dean has been playing. He, he hasn't been setting the world on fire at the linebacker spot anyhow. So – you know, is there a gross um, misallocation of talent there? Yeah, and and you know, I think the injuries just compound it, but I I don't think they're the reason. 
Yeah, I don't know. Something's going on there. Uh, definitely reason for panic. You lose four out of five. That's never good, and you don't want that happening uh, this this time of year. The, the one thing I will say is, you know, first four or five weeks when you guys are winning ugly, we were commenting on who cares it's a win and you're going to need these late. So, you know, we're looking at that scenario play out right now. Um, so we're saying right now best case is what? They win – against Detroit and Dallas lose and that would make them the two. Oh wow okay so yeah Detroit is playing Minnesota right playing Washington Horskins <clears throat> Six. so it's not gonna happen so, so if either one of those teams win or both well let's Let's say let's say Detroit wins, but Dallas yeah. loses. Then Detroit will get the two seed because they have the tiebreaker over the Eagles, and the Eagles will win the NFC East as the three seed. Okay. If Dallas wins, right, then it doesn't matter. We're five because we will not win the NFC East if Dallas wins, and Dal- uh, Detroit, regardless of what Detroit does, they'll still get the three seed because of a, being a division winner. So obviously it would be great if the Eagles for the Eagles, if Dallas, of course, then you play six seed who still, I think could be, uh, I think it could be Seattle or maybe LA Rams, but it's at home. I mean, who knows what, who knows? I'll tell you what, we'll, we'll stop talking about ifs and what's is going to happen. And we'll really focus this next week when everything is set and we can talk about matchups and uh, panic then, you know what I mean? Yeah, no problem. Well, let's talk about the Pittsburgh Steelers real quick then. I was going to say, let's focus on one of your squads. So, you know, Tomlin, a few weeks ago we were saying, people are are saying maybe Tomlin's voice has gotten stale. Um, Right, hot seat. Could he be looking at his first ever losing season in Pittsburgh? Kenny Pickett gets hurt. Um, You know, they had fired – Canada earlier in the season <clears throat> they lost three in a row um, putting up 10 against the Cardinals 18 against the Patriots and 13 against the Colts and it just looks like it's a wrap then they put in Mason Rudolph and they beat the Bengals 34-11 and beat the Seahawks on the road 30-23 to and really, the only two games all year, which you would say their offense looked like capable of scoring on every drive, right? Like, just it's a complete turnaround. Very interesting how and, – and I, I'm surprised Rudolph is still even on the roster. So Mason yeah. Rudolph was a complete stud at Oklahoma State University. You watch his college highlights, the guy looks like a phenom. But then he gets drafted to Pittsburgh, he sits behind Ben, and he just looks terrible. For whatever yeah. reason this year, and I don't know if it's because he's been there longer than Trubisky and Pickett, that the people that are there on the offense have more of a, a, a rhythm or a, a Yeah, but he was he was third on the depth chart, shoot. <laughs> but look at Pickens all of a sudden is looking like a pro bowler. Um Najee and um <clears throat> Jalen Warren are Jerome. running angry. Jalen um the defense yeah. has been there all year. I, I don't know. It's just hard to say. I mean, 
look around the NFL. There's plenty of backups that are, you know, Joe Flacco all of a sudden is like, what the hell? It's just very strange. You make a small tweak, spark, and, and you know, here we go. Yep, and that's 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 what I'm hoping for the Eagles, uh, something to happen like that. Now, I will say, Shoot, a lot of Eagles fans dislike the Pittsburgh Steelers. They really do. Maybe it's proximity geographically or whatever. I've said on here many times, I've said it to my friends in real life many times, I don't have any venom for the Pittsburgh Steelers. I'm, I'm gonna, They're playing on Saturday. I'm going to be watching that game. I'm Obviously, it's going to be a little bit boring because Lamar is not going to be playing and a lot of the Ravens stars aren't going to be out there. But I'm rooting for the Steelers to win, and then I think they still need help on Sunday. Uh, but first things first, get a win on Saturday and see what happens. Yeah, I again, they have a lot of different uh, scenarios that have yeah. to happen. But um, I'm just looking across the NFL right now as far as records, and I got to say the AFC North has the highest winning percentage, one through four. Does it? You've got Baltimore at 13-3, and three, Cleveland at 11-5, and five, Pittsburgh at 9-7, and seven, and the Bengals at 8-8. Eight and eight. So if the Steelers get in, I do expect them to move on at least past the wild card weekend. Ooh, that's, that's something. So I have it right here in front of you. So – the in front of me um the Steelers obviously need to win on Saturday against um Baltimore yeah right but only they only need one thing in a couple of different scenarios to happen if Buffalo loses and Pittsburgh wins Pittsburgh's in okay that's big yeah. that's big that is big um if if the Steelers win, okay, so all these scenarios start with the Steelers. The Steelers have right. to win. If they lose on Saturday, they're eliminated. Okay, so we're going to just say, okay, so either a Buffalo loss and they're in, a Jacksonville loss or tie, and the Steelers are in, that Houston Indy game that's after the Steelers, if that ends in a tie, the Steelers are in. I mean, that, we're getting crazy now. And then if Jacksonville loses – Oh, this is a this is a Pittsburgh tie. So Pittsburgh could tie on Saturday. These ties are ridiculous. But if Pittsburgh ties the Ravens, and then Jacksonville loses, and Houston Indy has a winner, and it doesn't end in a tie, they're also in. So all kinds of crazy shit. But shoot, I'm gonna. I mean, I love Mike Tomlin. I am rooting for the Steelers this weekend. Eagles fan rooting for the Steelers. It could be blasphemy, but I'm doing it, brother. Hey, Keystone State love. That's right, Keystone State Live. I always wanted a Keystone Super Bowl. That'd be cool. I, I can see it in yeah. lifetime, for sure. Hey, tell me about Michael Penix a little bit, will you? You know, the guy just continues to show up, and I I don't understand how Mel Kuyper Jr. has Penix Who cares? as the fifth best back. Yeah, who cares about him, though? Like... He's been wrong so many times. Like, why do we still give him clout? I don't know. They brought in McShay, and McShay kind of just opposes everything. Kuiper's yeah. Yeah, still the a, guy. It's like point-counterpoint with those But what two. are we not seeing with Michael Penix Jr.? He had the fourth-best college postseason game against Texas in the Sugar Bowl. He threw for 430 yards. 
I like to say, take the stats and throw them out the window. Just watch this dude play football. For me, there has never been a more appropriate celebration after he drops a diamond than him pulling his thing out and fucking shooting it. Like, that's so cool to me because that's what he's doing. I've watched football a long time. This dude is dropping dimes in spots you didn't think a dime could fit, and he's squeezing it in there, sometimes off the back of his foot, sometimes after spinning out of a sack. Like, the dude is playing football, and he is killing teams from the pocket, and I wouldn't be surprised if the Huskies upset the Wolverines on Monday night. I wouldn't either. I mean, you, okay, let's look at the Pac-12 championship. There are like nine-point dogs. Uh, it's funny that they were dogs. They are the dogs. dogs. So we're nine-point dogs to Oregon. Oregon, Oregon yep. for the second time this year. Uh, I think they were almost five-point dogs against Texas. I thought Washington controlled that game, you know, the entire way through. It was a little closer than it should have been at the end. Some poor clock management. Um in my opinion. Um, what happened? I got booted, but I'm back in. Oh, fucking somebody called me. Even though I have it on goddamn. Um, yeah, so we're okay. I think I, I might just have to merge these together. But shoot. Um, say again what you were saying about Penix. Uh, well, I'm just talking about the Washington Huskies and how you look at their body of work to get to the national championship. They played a great Oregon team in the Pac-12 championship. I think that Vegas had them nine-point dogs. They beat Oregon for the second time. And then I think they were four-and-a-half, five-point dogs against Texas. I didn't think they looked outmatched against Texas on any phase of the game. It looked to me that Washington controlled that game the entire, the entire game. Uh, first through fourth quarter, and I think there was some bad clock management at the end of the game to give Texas a chance to go down, and and, uh, and they could have tied with a touchdown and won with a PAT. Excellent play by that defensive back on the final play of the game to just knock the ball out of the hands of that receiver. Um, Michael Penix, it's fun to watch. You say how he's dropping dimes. You watch these these passes, you know, these 25, 30-yard-plus passes, he likes to push the ball downfield. And his receiver's hands, like, aren't moving. He's hitting them right in the body, right in stride, and he's already got great receivers, but he doesn't make their job any harder. I don't know, whatever. I, You know, I will say this. Michael Penix Jr. will have a better NFL career than Jalen McDaniels. Uh, I believe that's who won the Heisman for LSU, right? Is that his name, Jalen yeah, McDaniels? I, yeah, I think so. Um, and think and so. we'll just leave it at that. So we'll revisit this statement in another four or five years and see where I'm at. Um, you had it, bud. You had this. Uh, you, you mentioned early in the year that Penix was something special. You 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 definitely call this. It's Jaden Daniels, not Mick Daniels, just Daniels uh, from LSU, yeah. Um, so you saw it. I started watching. I, I did see Penix play a bit last year as much, but this year I was really focused in on him, and um, I'm with you. I think the dude's amazing, and I think he'd be a, a hell of an NFL quarterback. He just does so much from the pocket. 
you know, and that's what you need to do in the NFL to have a, 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 a successful long career. So um, we'll see. So three and a half to four and a half, depending on what book you look at, Michigan favored. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if the Huskies, I'm not sure that would be shocked the world. I mean, they're undefeated. Um, I'm not sure it qualifies as shock the world, but certainly people favor Michigan in this game. Um, and we'll see what happens. I, I, I'll, I'll be rooting for the Huskies. Yeah. I would say Michigan probably has stronger interior lines and probably a better running game, but I don't know. National championship, neutral site, Washington is, you know, they're, they're fearless. They're going to throw the ball. They're going to score points. So we'll, 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 obviously for me, the, the matchup to watch is if Penix can carve up that Michigan defense, the way he's carved up pretty much every other offense, every other defense he's played. So we'll see. Yeah. Uh, go, go. All right, buddy. Did you say I, who? Go, go Huskies. Go Huskies. Hey, um, what's is, let's move on? Well, is there is Go there ahead. buzz out there in Seattle with the Huskies in the national championship for the first time since, well, actually 2016, I think they were there, and then be no, I, did they play in the championship in 2016? Or was it just that playoff? Uh, yeah, I think they made the playoff, but they lost. And they won. They won the national title in 1991. So yeah, Kalen DeBoer's got the dogs back in the national. Uh, the national limelight, and um, it, it you know it would be fitting if the if the Washington Huskies win and the Pac-12, which is dissolving, comes up with the BCS title. <laughs> I know uh, both of these teams that are playing in the finals are Big Ten teams next year. Uh, I'm not sure what that means other than cool. Uh, yeah, it was 2017, so it was a 2016 college football season. It was played in the date of 2017. Alabama smoked Washington in the semifinal Peach Bowl and then went on to lose to Clemson in the championship. So, um, yeah, I'm with you. Go Huskies. Let's move on. Let's talk about gambling, shoot. Yeah. So we need to do an update. I need to be better on Insta and get some shit out there for our update. Jones is in. Jones got a bunch of bets in last week, and this week I got to catch up with his uh, results. Uh, obviously, you and I weren't here last week. I got a bunch of shit for this week. I wanted to sort of talk about it. I know we're, we got about 25 minutes maximum before we got to bounce here. But um, did you have anything off the top of your head, or should I start spewing my shit? Well, can we get results and see where we're at before we move on to new bets? Because I can't even remember my last bet. It was yeah. So your last your last bet was a good one. You you netted one eighty. Um, right now, AK is still on top at six hundred thirty five pod units. Uh, Shoop, you're second with one hundred seventy six units. So you're looking good. Pet Shop comes in third with 97 units. And then Izza, Jones, and Ned round up the bottom five, uh, six, whatever it is. So I'll get an update on the gram. We'll get some more bets in as we go. But I got a crap ton of stuff. Uh, why don't I start and then you can take your time and figure it out. So first things first is the Flyers are playing really good hockey. And really proud of their West Coast road trip that they just came back from. 
Uh, I want to say that points in four out of six games, won three of them, um, did really well. However, should you know that phenomenon in sports about a long road trip and then your first game home? Yeah. Yeah. Got to. So the Flyers play tonight at home against Columbus, and they're heavily favored. Not maybe heavily is the wrong word, but they're favored. I'm going Columbus money line. I get a nice plus number. Um, I want to say I get pulled up right here on DraftKings. So tonight, yeah. So plus one seventy for the Blue Jackets to upset the Flyers. I like that number. I like the Flyers to come out flat in the first period and maybe be down two zero after one. Um, or worse, and uh, while they are a gritty team that is, can certainly handle that, um, I don't think they will. I think they're going to play flat tonight. Did you see there was a game a couple weeks back now, Shoop? It was 5-1 Red Wings after one. Um, the Flyers were down, it was like, and it was Carter Hart's, Carter Hart's first game back in net after missing some time with injury. And I was like, damn, 5-1, maybe we, Hart's not ready or something. Well, they they battled back at two and a third, two and a second, and three and a third. Actually, had a six-five lead um, with about a minute to go, and then Carter Hart gave up a real soft goal. That it, the Flyers have ended up winning in overtime, but um, really an in- interesting hockey and fun hockey game. Did you not no, see I that? I, you know, uh, we did go to a wild game last week. The flower was on point, and they beat Boston. It was a very exciting game. Sweet. But other other than that, I haven't really been paying that much attention to the NHL. The hockey. Okay. Well, that's my bet for tonight. That's Columbus Blue Jacket, 50 units to upset the Flyers tonight. Um, tomorrow night, I love Joe Embiid, uh, as we talked about already in this episode. I want to get down on him, and I don't have these numbers yet because they're not out on DraftKings, but I want to take his over in the first quarter points, whatever it is, and I'm going to take his over for the game. I feel like uh, he, shoot, he had 31, 15, and 10 last night or two nights ago. And he didn't even play in the fourth quarter. Yeah, that's like he got 30 right now, by the way. What? That's pretty much like his season average right now, that line. Yeah. And, and he's not playing in the fourth quarter because the Sixers are up so much. They're up 20 plus going into the fourth and they just sit in the whole quarter. He is dominant. He is crushing it. I've got some um, reels uh, that I saw about Joe. I'm going to maybe put them on Instagram too. So anyway, tonight, Columbus, tomorrow, Joe over first quarter because he doesn't hardly sit in the first quarter. He just plays the entire first quarter and over on his total points for the game. Um, also, I want to shout out to Brian Jones sent me a couple of things on social media this week about um, player incentives that guys, you know, have built into their contract. Uh, Oh, I might need to hang on actually take over. I need to let a gal in to my uh, pet shop and then uh, I'll be right back. So keep going. Shoot pet shop. Eddie, take care of the pet shop. So my, First two bets, and I'm going to stay away from the parlays because they send they they seem to do me no justice. But um, I'm all NFL on my bets, my worst bets. So Saturday, you know, I got the Steelers covering the four, and I've got actually a home dog, the Colts. I think they went okay. at home. I'll take the money line W there against the Houston Texans. 
And then I also like the Detroit Lions to cover at home against the Minnesota Vikings. So I'm going to do 100 units per on those three. All right. So um, sorry, I missed them, obviously, as I was running away. But I heard your um, Colts money line and then Detroit money line. Detroit points. Or points, okay. And Pittsburgh points. Okay. And Pittsburgh's minus points, right? Uh, Pittsburgh is minus, yeah, minus four. Yeah, they're favored because uh, the Ravens aren't going to play anybody. Uh, okay, back to what I was going to say. I, we'll, I don't want to dick your picks. We'll come back to those. But Jonesy sent me a bunch of stuff about player incentives. Oh, yeah. So, obviously, there's these guys that are in the league that are close to certain statistical categories. And if they hit those numbers, they get huge paychecks. Um, so just wanted to throw a couple of them out quick for our listeners to see, maybe take a look at. And then we'll wrap up, Shoot. So um, Odell Beckham for Baltimore. If he plays, who? what do we got going on there? Everything yeah, okay? I'm sorry. I just had to charge my phone. No, you have to be sorry. Go ahead. I'm listening. Oh. Odell Beckham has bonuses for catches, yards, and touchdowns. So I'm not sure if he's even going to get any time. But if he's in there, there's a reason he's in there. And he'll be, you know, everybody will know about it. And the targets will be coming his way uh, from whoever's throwing him. That's cool. Um, Yeah. Uh, Dalton Schultz for the Texans as well as Singletary for the Singletary has a yardage. incentive and Schultz has a catches incentive. So take a peek at those. Um, and then I had a couple others, you know, there's a, there's a crap ton of them, but I, I just ones that I really liked. Um, Deandre Hopkins Titans against Jags. He has uh catches and yardage incentive. So I think he's going to get a lot of targets and then also Jordan love for the Packers. Now I'm not sure if he'll see a ton of playing time, but if, the Packers make the playoffs, he gets a huge bonus. So there's so, obviously these guys are all playing for the love of the game, but also for the paycheck. And so keep an eye on that game as well. Uh, and that's all I got. I don't want to bore everybody. There's some, a couple other ones, Austin Eckler, um, Tyreek Hill on Monday night needs a bunch of yards. Uh, we'll see if that game uh, turns out to be as good as it's built. Um, so, you can look these up. I'm sure there's a list somewhere online, but fun week to to look at player props because of these uh, these stat incentives. That is pretty cool. You know, when uh, Polamalu was a safety for the Steelers, oftentimes when they were in the victory formation, they you'd see TP back there, and you'd think, oh, I wonder if they've got him in there because he's a speedster, and if there's something that happens, he could chase somebody down. No. It was just to make sure he got his snaps so he could yeah. get his bonus at the end of the year. So anytime yeah. when they were late in a game in a victory formation and there was a chance to get him in there for a couple more snaps, they would do that. Kind of awesome. cool, uh, that, that business side yeah. of it, yeah. Um, all right, fun <laughs> stuff. How about uh, some trivia here quick before we, before we wrap up, Shoot. Trivia brought to you by Hangry Kids. Give it, give it to him. I don't have any, but I got my trivia music. Uh, 
trivia from the nuts brought to you by hangrykids.com go to hangrykids.com today find a package care package and snack pack for the one you love send it to a struggling starving college student that you know send it to your nephew send it to your uncle send it to somebody who's been under the weather there's healthy kits there's everything there's chocolate lover kits there's spicy lover kits hangrykids.com check it out today trivia brought to you by hangrykids.com very nice i wanted to focus on sacks shoot okay we don't really talk about sacks much so i pulled up some nfl sack numbers okay mm-hmm. So, first of all, the easiest is, do you know who the all-time career leader in sacks is? Um, I feel... And and I, I'm going I'm to throw this... At, it's a 1 and 1A. One Give me the guy's name, but also just an estimate of how many sacks is the most ever. Because it's a nice round number. NFL leading sack, uh, sack leader, I want to say, is Bruce Smith, 200? Very good. Very good. That's exactly right. Wow. Did you look that up? No, that was was just – I just pulled it. I just pulled it. Nice work. Bruce Smith has exactly 200 sacks. And so that's always – that's an easy number. I don't really think I've ever put that into my consciousness. But 200 sacks in a career is obviously the most ever. Um, Do you know who number two is? It's it's, uh, relative to the pod. Number two relative to the pot, uh, Reggie White, the Minister of Defense. Reggie White, exactly. He had 198, so just a couple behind Bruce. And then there's a huge fall off to Kevin Green at 160. Wow. Yeah, Kevin Green, four teams, retired in 99. Uh, And Julius Peppers, 159. So then it gets a little bit closer. But um, 200 sacks, Bruce Smith, uh, all-time career. Now, my other kind of question quasi number is like what number gets you into like the top 25 or 30 of all time do you know a hundred yeah a little bit more than about 110 gets you in so there are guys with a hundredth carlos dunlap he's 42nd all time andre tippett he has 100 sacks He's 40, 42nd tied, obviously. So 100 doesn't quite crack that top 25 or 30, but 110 will get you there, 112, 113. Um, how about active leaders career? There's a guy that's number 19. He has 123 and a half sacks. He's played for three teams, predominantly one, but um, he's still active technically. Oh wow! Um, I would say Khalil Mack. No, good guess. Von Miller. Oh, Von Miller. Mostly Denver. Then played quickly with the Rams, and now he's with Buffalo. Now, Um, he's the career active leader. He has 123 and a half. And then a guy that's right on his back, who's played for one team. Who I had to look him up. I'm embarrassed. I don't know this guy's name. Uh, he plays for the New Orleans Saints. He has 117. He's been playing since 2023. Yeah, Cameron Jordan. Any idea? Yep, exactly. Yeah. I, I did. I was not aware of number Cameron 94. Jordan, but man, oh man, yeah. he is a he is a baller, and he is um, what do they say? Number 23 all time sack. Leader. I think is it it's pretty good. Is that Steve Jordan's son? I think he's NFL royalty. Oh, is that right? I, I think so. 
Let me look into his bio. Yeah, Father Steve Jordan. Yep, you got it. Nice work. Well, you did pretty good in that on that trivia, my my friend. You did. Uh, I, you I did swear to God, I just pulled out Bruce well. Smith in the even two hundred. So that's amazing. Yes, you, you did great. Well, Shoop, uh, another episode has come and gone. I don't think I have much else. I, I am really looking forward to the next couple of weeks as we get into the crux of the NFL playoffs. And then, of course, uh, NBA and NHL getting towards the end of their seasons. Lots of sports stuff coming up in January and February, as you know. And then we're getting to a year anniversary of our podcast, dude. I love that. Dude. I love that. We should... We're going to have to do something special. Yeah, we will. Um, I do have a suck out. Let's go. <clears throat> many, many episodes ago, probably inside of like 10, our first 10, I went on a um, – I, I spewed hot venom about my disapproval of shitty mascots, na- you know, color schemes and names for professional sports Yes, I remember the color scheme part, yes. So last night I'm watching the – Minnesota Timberwolves, the first in the West, by the way. Um, okay, there you go. A little shout out to the T Wolves. They're hosting the New Orleans Pelicans. Pelicans, and, yes, and man. I'm just like, how, why, how can the NBA? How how did that how did that pass? All right, so the Charlotte Hornets moved to New Orleans and it was the New Orleans Hornets <laughs> for a while, which sounds weird, but it's, I can it's hard on your I, yeah, it's hard to say. Yeah, yeah, I can get I can get it. I can yeah. live with it. Um and then and then the Charlotte Bobcats were were a franchise for a while, which I don't think they are anymore. I think it's now the Hornets again, right? But even the yeah, even the Bobcats is better than the fucking Pelicans. I mean, I hate yeah, like, I hate the Wizards, but I can live with the Wizard above. I mean, apparently the Pelican is like a beloved creature in the Crescent City, the Big Easy. <laughs> but I don't give a shit. You have down in the Bayou. You had fucking Zion Williamson, and he's wearing gear that says Pelicans. Like it just it's. It's absolutely terrible. It's nothing against the bird pelican. I mean, sure, it's a lovely species, but it does not belong as a yeah. goddamn mascot. I can't disagree, you dude. It's really bad. Um, I thought about that when it came out. Now, the my only beef with you is in all of sports there are weird names, but because we were born and raised with those teams. They're just part of our normal vernacular, and we don't really think of it any, any, you know. But and so and so, yes, Pelicans is cringy and it and it's horrible. But is it just because it's so new and weird? And maybe a hundred years from now, Pelicans kids grew up. Pelicans, Pelicans are just a team. Like, I mean, even I just think, okay, Chicago Bears. I know a bear is a big, ferocious animal, but like it's silly if you think about it. They're like the Bears, or even worse, in the same city, the Cubs. Like that's a baby bear, right? Like, oh, it's the Cubbies. Like, okay, you can sort of. Again, it sounds like I'm disagreeing with you. I'm not disagreeing with you. I think Pelicans is horrible, especially with a beast like Zion wearing Pelicans. Like, really? Yeah. So I agree with you. But my only devil's advocate is 
all of these names are silly. They're just the ones we know for a hundred years are normal to us, and the new ones are weirder. I, I guess. But but still, there is a there's a fucking boardroom of people coming up with ideas that have to pitch <laughs> it to the NBA, and the best. And they're like, yeah, that sounds good. Like, did somebody bring their kid in one day, and they're like, I like a pelican. I mean, think of re- regionally. There's got to be something else going on in new orleans like you know the saints obviously we we touched on that um how they got their name um i don't know lsu is near new orleans they're the tigers that's cool um i mean they have a musical scene they have mardi gras they could have been called the fucking new orleans beads and that would have been better than the goddamn pelicans Oh, why stop at beads? Just call them the New Orleans titties. Yeah, the titties. Everybody would Yeah. <laughs> Fucking Zion and the titties are coming at you. Anyways, it's just ridiculous, and I just don't understand how it gets past, like, boardrooms in the in the NBA approves. It's just silly. I think they could get away with it if it was, if it was T-I-D-D-I-E-S, the titties. <laughs> like, you're in, baby. Or the... And every game, the fans are chucking fucking beads. No. What's their what's the Saints is like who they who they who they think they beat them Saints yeah, or who they, or who that yeah. or something so that who they that, just call who them that. the Hudas the Hudas Hudas Hey, did you see there was boobs on the national championship semifinal game? Well, I didn't see it, but I heard about it, yeah. and then I heard like some porn <laughs> site offered the broad a hundred grand or something like that. Oh, I didn't hear that. Yeah. Ah, uh, so it was totally fucking. Stage. Oh, I don't know. I don't think so. I think she did because it looked to me like it wasn't. It didn't look like she was looking at the camera. Beautiful black chick somewhere down in. I don't know if it was right on, uh, uh, right on the strip. I'm blanking out on in New Orleans when the 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 street that Bourbon um, Street. All the beads of Bourbon Street. Thank you. <clears throat> Where people are out on their balconies throwing beads at chicks. <laughs> but yeah, the camera was just panning down the street. And she was sort of like off to the side a little bit. And she was way just looking up and she's just lifting her shirt. <laughs> I missed it. But yeah, it says that um, she went viral and then she was offered $100,000 from Cam Soda or something like that. Oh, so after. So it was so it was not staged, but she's just maybe cashing she must, in. She might have. She must have had a good rack, huh? Got it. All right. <laughs> Let's uh, let's end it here. I think we're getting close to ninety minutes. Shoop Dog, you're the best. Um, appreciate you coming back onto the pod after a weird Christmas week and sicknesses and everything else. I'm still kind of under the weather, as you can see in here a little bit. Um, but you're the man, and let's the uh, man. let's chat next week about the NFL playoffs, my brother. Yeah, it'll be exciting. I got a great song to play us out. Episode forty nine in the books, baby. In the books. We'll see you next week for episode 50, which we need to do something special for. Peace out.